Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Uh, this is Keith Rosen, and welcome to the next session of Coffee and Coaching with Keith. I am thrilled that you're here because clearly this topic struck a chord with many leaders and managers because this is one of the highest rated attendances I've seen in a while. So I want to make sure I deliver on your expectations. Uh, I actually am going to be using a PowerPoint for the first 20 minutes or so. Uh, and then what we're going to do is we're going to open it up to questions. But however, as I'm going through my presentation for about 20 minutes, uh, please keep the questions coming in. So at the end, we'll be able to open it up to a, to a natural and organic Q&A. So without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and throw up my slides here. And fortunately, you'll still be able to see my handsome face, hopefully in the corner. And it looks like we're doing okay. So uh, just to outline uh, today's session so you get maximize the value. Number one, of course, welcome. Number two, ask questions. Any question you ask is supporting every other person in our leadership community. Okay, and it's a question you ask, I guarantee it will resonate for others. So you'll stimulate a really good conversation. And just simply use the chat function to share your questions. Just so you know, I'll be holding up my uh, phone here uh, because I'm going ahead and checking the questions uh, on my phone so it doesn't interfere with the recording here. Uh, so let's just go ahead and jump right into the current landscape. Uh, right now, underperformers cost companies billions of dollars each year. Each year, the Gallup organization reports that nearly 81% of employees are actively disengaged, 81%. And only one out of every 10 managers possess the skills and talent to manage, let alone coach especially in our remote world. And the one thing I've been hearing working with my clients is hiring, retention, and attrition are some of the top challenges and issues companies are facing today, which is costing sales and time. So first of all, if, if, if the goal here uh, for me to deliver on your expectation is how do you deal with an underperformer? How do you turn around an underperformer, let, let alone in 30 days or less? Or how do you improve engagement, let alone how do you even coach a toxic person? Well, let's start diving into that conversation now. Uh, how do you find, define an underperformer? Most of the time when I ask managers how they do it, their first visceral reaction is, oh, I look at the numbers. Well, the numbers tell you what's going on, but it doesn't tell you why it's going on. After all, you could look at your A player's activity and C player's activity, and you could say, wait a second, my C player is engaging in the same amount of activity as my A player. Well, then why is my C player my C player and my A player my A player? Quality of output. You know, uh, great champions, you know, they might do the same thing. They just do things differently. So before we stop and assume that underperformance means that person isn't hitting their number, their quota, um, they're, they're down on their sales performance, um, they're not going to be able to honor their commitments, 
before we stop and, and, and just assume that an underperformer has to deal with underperformance in, in a place of uh, um, if they're and whether or not they're hitting their goals, what about the other side of underperformance? What about the toxic side? What about the people and the, on your team that uh, will be uh, demonstrating such a toxic attitude that it brings down the rest of the team? I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. As a matter of fact, I have a story to share with you, a personal story that may resonate with you. And I actually wrote about this and I'll share I'll share the link uh, in the thread later on, which is why I had to fire my top salesperson. And, uh, I, and this is going back years and years ago when I owned another company. Uh, I hired, of course, several salespeople the first month. Next thing we knew, we were up to 50 in six months and of course, Yours truly was responsible for managing and coaching them. Well, one of the salesperson, his name was Peter. Uh, great, great guy. We hit it off right away and my three other partners hit it off with him as well. And we all became very close friends. I went to his wedding. I was there when his first child was born. Um, and we became close friends and our families became close friends. And I valued him not only as, as someone who I get to work with every day, but I valued him as a friend. And uh, I noticed that at certain point, Peter started displaying a different attitude and his performance started slipping. He went from my triple A player to my B to B minus player. And what compounded this was that all of the salespeople on my team were coming to me and complaining about Peter. Peter's telling me what to do. Peter's making me feel bad about my performance. Peter's, uh, you know, telling me that, you know, I won't be successful here. Uh, Peter's yelling at clients and throwing the phone across the room. Uh, these are things that can clearly impact the culture and environment of your office, okay, and of your company. Uh, to me, in my world, that's an underperformer. If they're impacting the culture on your team for the negative, Think about the collateral damage that follows in its wake. And I've never to this day, 30 years of doing this, 76 countries, hundreds of thousands of leaders uh, on six continents, I have never, ever heard a manager after they terminated an, uh, someone who was toxic that they couldn't turn around say to me, I wish I didn't terminate them. And all of a sudden, the team rises to the top of their potential because it's that one person that was holding them down. And to build on the cost of the story, we even bought Peter Alexis. And one day we were going on a joint sales call. So I'm sitting in the uh, passenger seat, he gets in the driver's seat. And of course we're messing around and I'm saying, hey, I bought this car for you. It's also my car. So I'm opening the glove compartment and all this. And I open the side compartment between him and I. And I noticed business cards that I wasn't familiar with. And I put, pulled out a business card and it was not my company's name, but it was his company's name with him as the president. Essentially, he was stealing the leads that we were giving him and selling him under his business. Now, imagine the impact this had, but more so on a personal level because we trusted him. And if I look at Peter, 
as an as a as a top performer, we waited too long. We got what I call seduced by his potential, which we'll talk about. Is don't worry, he'll turn it around. Give him another month. He's our top performer. Who wants to fire their top performer? Oh my gosh, if we let them go, we're going to have revenues going to go down. I'm going to have to fill their territory. So uh, it's going to take longer, of course, to uh, uh, to, re to refill someone's uh, position, right, than it is to turn them around, which is exactly why we're talking here. So unfortunately, the situation got worse to the point where uh, obviously Peter left uh, with our business. And uh, of course, it was a valuable and costly lesson that I certainly hope is something that you can learn from me. Uh, as we discuss, and as I hope what attracted you here, which clearly, again, was a very hot topic, is how to turn around an underperformer, or what I made up the word, an underengager, in 30 days or less. Well, first of all, let's even the playing field, okay? How do companies support the underperformer, okay? Well, typically, there is some HR compliant process. And the most common HR compliant process that I see is called the PIP or uh, an acronym for the Performance Improvement Plan. Now, uh, many companies are not used to that acronym, so I, I want to make sure that I'm being clear with what that acronym means. It is simply an HR compliant tool that companies use to protect the employee, but more so to protect the company. And whether it's a PIP or performance improvement plan, whether it's you're going to be written up, whether it's going to be, hey, we're going to put you on a, uh, an acceleration plan, whatever you call it, if it's HR compliant and it comes from HR, it's synonymous with a PIP. Okay, so I just wanted to set that playing field as we continue our conversation. Number two, is the PIP, PIP effective? Well, the fact is, no, it's not. Now, I have spoken to many, many companies globally, and it doesn't matter where I go in the world, it doesn't matter what industry I work with, it doesn't matter what type of company, it doesn't matter what location you are in the world, uh, the PIP historically does not work, okay? Uh, so let's, let's kind of play this out and see why. Um, so there you are, um, uh, one of my direct reports, and uh, I'm your manager. And unfortunately, your performance has been slipping, and I have to approach you now after several months uh, and discuss putting you on a compliance plan. So uh, I walk up to you and I say, hey, listen, I have great news for you, okay? Um, I know your performance has been down, uh, and I want to help you get to back where you want to be. So I'm going to put you on a performance improvement plan. Is that how your employees react? Thank you, boss. Thank you so much for showing your care and consideration and unconditional support. Come on, let's be honest. No, they do not. The PIP is known to breed a culture of fear. It is fear-based. It is driven by fear and it creates a culture where people are looking to avoid a consequence rather than being pulled by a vision or goal or a pleasure. So, uh, and I've heard companies say, wait a second, Keith, I've had people who have gone through the PIP and they were successful at it. Okay, great. 
um, may I ask what percent? And they would say, oh, about 20%. 20% of the people going through the PIP in, in our company, it's working great. Okay, wow, 20%. Hmm. May I follow up with another question? The manager would say, sure. I would, and I would ask them, after those 20% of the people who turned around during that PIP, how many of them fell back into their old behavior and their old performance? And the manager got quiet and said, yeah, probably, probably most, if not half. Because why? You're pushing a boulder uphill. You're motivating by fear. Once you stop pushing that boulder, it's going to roll right down and right on top of you. Now, uh, I noticed that when I loaded my slides, um, animation doesn't work. So I apologize for throwing up all the information on one slide. Glad that they're short enough for us to digest together. So uh, is the PIP effective? No, it is not. Okay. As a matter of fact, when you tell someone you're putting them on the PIP, the first thing they're going to do is go to LinkedIn, update their profile, update their social media, and update their CV or resume because they already know they have one foot out the door. And that's why I, I uh, refer to the PIP also as the RIP, the rest in peace plan, or let's face it, what it really is, is the POP, the pushing out plan. And that's what unfortunately managers do. They feel like they've tried everything, which you will clearly see you haven't. So they do what they feel is right and give them to HR, quite frankly, throwing them under the bus. Okay. And that's pushing people out. Oh, and by the way, uh, just a side note, please never use the phrase manage out or coach out because you're positioning managing and coaching as a negative when we want to be really coaching people in and managing them in. So, Please just be mindful of your language there. So why are you in this position in the first place? Oh, and this is what I hear. Keith, I inherited this team. Uh, someone, someone hired uh, my team for me. Um, my, you know, I hired my team. Uh, there was an internal change in reporting. Um, you know what? I, I have a team, but I never met them in person, only remotely. I don't suppose anyone here has gone through this same process. And we need to stop and refocus in a time when it's probably more difficult than ever, which is to focus on what our primary objective of a leader is. It's not to hit our business objectives. It's to make our people more valuable every day. Because if we do that, the, the, the byproduct is you achieve your objectives with less stress and less effort. So the bottom line is, if you find yourself in a situation where you're putting more people on a pip and dealing with underperformers, then it's real simple. You're not coaching consistently. So if you look at the winner's table, the A players, the B players, and the C players, of course we want a team of A players. But we want those B players, you know, those solid performers, hit their numbers, good corporate citizens, collaborate, communicate, support their team. Uh, we want those people. There's no room for the C player at the winner's table. Now, one thing that I have noticed before we even dive in to the strategy, and that's quite frankly really why I needed to share slides with you today. 
I'm teaching you how to do something and I needed to make sure that I had this information in front of you. And by the way, everyone, you will be getting a copy of this entire deck. Uh, just make sure we're connected on LinkedIn, okay? So why do, the question is why do we have these underperformers on our team? I just gave you several reasons, okay? But there's one core reason why we do, and it doesn't matter how they wound up on your team, my friends. The bottom line is if they're underperforming and we are waiting to take action, we are being seduced by what I call the potential we see in other people. And that is a very, very dangerous trap for leaders to fall into. So let me give you an example. You have a top performer. Three months goes by, a quarter, performance starts slipping. Of course, you approach them. Hey, uh, Tim, what's going on? Oh, you know, you know what, boss? I'm, it, just some personal issues at home, uh, but don't worry, I've handled that. Uh, I'll be back on track this quarter. Okay, and you're thinking, okay, understood. External forces, we're all going through something. I'll give them another quarter. Another quarter goes by, still doesn't hit his number. Manager goes to the to, to the underperformer. Hey, what's going on? I thought you mentioned everything was okay at home. Well, I did, but uh, you know, I told you that I was going to close that big deal that was going to get me ahead of my number this quarter. Well, it's not going to close until next quarter. And you're thinking, oh, really needed this deal this quarter, but I'm not going to turn away business. So I guess I'll wait another quarter. And another quarter goes by, and another quarter goes by and another quarter goes by, and before you know it, you have an underperformer on your team for five months, six months, eight months, 10 months. I've had managers tell me two years, okay? And the fact is, if you have an underperformer on your team for more than 30 days, that's 30 days too long, okay? So we need to avoid being seduced by the potential we see in others and shift to a place of collecting evidence and certainty. And the first thing for us to do in order for us to capture the time we need to work with these underperformers is a mantra that I share. Don't oil the squeaky wheel. And you know, if you're a biker, you know, why wouldn't I all the squeaky wheel, Keith? That's what I do. Not in business, not with your team. You see, here's the thing. Um, as a leader, uh, your job is to make people more valuable every day. And your A players want to be more valuable and your C players want to be maybe more valuable. And your B players may want to be more valuable. But regardless of where they fall, you might find that person to be an underperformer. And again, we've defined underperformer several different ways. And as a result, and let's say it's let's say it's a, um, a performance issue where the person isn't performing up to their potential and not hitting their sales goals, you're going to spend the time working with them and investing the time and trying to be the super salesperson, probably jump in, be the chief problem solver, save the deals because you need them, and you wind up spending all your time with the person who doesn't want to change. And one of the biggest questions people ask me is, Keith, how do I know if someone is coachable regardless of where they are in performance? I'll make it really easy for everyone. One thing, if you wanna know if people are coachable, it's, it, they just need one thing, 
a desire to change for the better. That's it. And some, some people's desire is this big, and some people's desire is this big. As you as a leader, it is your responsibility to uncover that and use that as an opportunity for them to grow. But don't oil the squeaky wheel because now you're spending all the time on the person who may not want to improve and you're not spending your time with the people who want to grow, improve, make you, make the company, and make uh, the team look great, okay? Because you're spending the time with the wrong people. So instead of avoiding the people uh, who make everyone look good, uh, avoid the people that really don't want to change. And that's why we're going to go through this model of a 30-day program, okay? So as we move on, uh, let's just go ahead and talk about the first thing you need to do. Now, you can't just go out there and say, hey, I got this great idea. I'm going to put you on a 30-day uh, turnaround strategy. And we'll talk about the different names of how we could name it, depending on who you're talking to in a moment. Um, you can't just walk up to someone and say, hey, I'm putting you on this 30-day turnaround strategy, okay? They're going to have no idea what you're talking about. And here's the thing, this is the art of enrollment that I write about constantly. This is the biggest miss managers uh, encounter and, and then wonder why people aren't bought in to change or do why don't they want to be coached, okay? Because when intentions aren't clear, people default to fear. So the first thing you need to do is set positive intent. Anytime you're approaching someone, and it doesn't matter who they are, cross-departmentally, family, friends, uh, peers, and of course your employees, you need to set positive intent because everyone is tuned in to their own agenda, WIIFM, what's in it for me. So let's go through this together. And again, you're going to be getting these templates, so don't worry about writing them all down. This is the first thing you need to do when you're approaching someone. You need to share with them not only what you're doing, but why you're doing it and what's in it for them. Most leaders just stop at here, here's what we're doing. And the person says, why? And the manager says, well, because that's what I was told. Well, that certainly doesn't create buy-in. And of course you can play the power card, but how much engagement do you really think you're going to get? Just consider the statistics we, we talked about earlier. So the first thing we need to do is go ahead and Set intention. Now, if you notice, I call this program a couple of different things. I call it either the 30-day success acceleration strategy or program or the 30-day turnaround strategy or program. Because here's the thing. There's no right or wrong way to position it. You're certainly not calling it a pip, okay? You're positioning it as something new so you can enroll people with positive intent. So, for example, turnaround strategy could be used for someone whose performance might be dipping and you want to turn it around. A success acceleration strategy can be positioned for those B and A players who want to better their best and be challenged to do so. So this works actually with your A, your B and your C players just with a, a, a twist around languaging here. So for now, we're going to focus on the underperformer. And this is what it would sound like when you approach them. So let's go through this together. What I want for you is to achieve the level of success you want in your career 
and start performing at that level. I'm fully committed to supporting you and giving you the attention you need. However, what's more important is your commitment to your success. So here's what I'm proposing. Let's look at what you're committed to doing. Set some measurable parameters, activities, and results to achieve, and work on a plan to turn around your performance. At the end of a four-week period, we will regroup, and based on what we find, you'll determine what the best course of action is for you, whether that means staying in the current role or finding a new position. Please know I support your decision 100%. That demonstrates unconditional support. So you need to ask a, a, a close-ended question to get affirmation. So is this turnaround process something you're willing to commit to? You need a yes or a no. And keep in mind, this doesn't breed fear. This You've been very clear with what's in it for them. Now, keep in mind, if they're an underperformer, their confidence is probably at an all-time low, and they might say something like this. Wait a, wait, wait a second, boss. This sounds like a pit. Looks like a pit. Smells like a pit. Is this a pit? They might react that way, okay? But again, you taking an unconditional stand for them be clearer with your intentions and notice the language here. Hey, what I don't want for you is, excuse me, what I want for you is to avoid the pit. What I don't want for you is to feel overwhelmed or stressed about being placed on a pit. That's one of the objectives here, to avoid the pit. Well, now you've created alignment and buy-in that person sees and that you're demonstrating unconditional support for them. Now, the interesting thing now is with all the time you've invested in underperformers, okay? And which by the way, you've given them their uh, your gift their entire career because the gift you give them every time you've worked with them is your time. That's your gift, okay? And that's, that, that's, that's something that we only have a limited time of, no pun intended. So notice here, you set positive intent. If they, they might bow out right now. Think about how much time you save. They don't have to go through the pip. Fantastic. Or for regardless of whatever reason, they're like, okay, boss, I'm in. Maybe they're doing it because they want to collect a paycheck. Maybe they're doing it because they sincerely do want the help to turn their performance around. Or maybe they're just doing it to, to kill more time. Well, let's now dive into this. Here's the strategy. And I'm going to share with you the strategy probably in less than three minutes. Here we go. This is the 30-day success acceleration coaching program. And my friends, that's all it is. You know, your job is challenging enough. My job is to make your job easier. Okay? This is simply a four-week coaching strategy. This is not an HR compliant tool. And hear me when I say, this is not something you are going to institutionalize because it will fail and you will create fear. I hope everyone heard that, okay? This is an organic uh, coaching strategy that you and the coachee 
is going to align around. So you just enroll them. Okay, well, here we are. Week one, you're going to enroll them in the strategy and set parameters. You're going to start with what they can do and build on each week, setting them up, not setting them up for failure. In other words, um, at this point as an underperformer, they're probably at an all-time low in their confidence. Don't challenge them and set them up for failure. Challenge them, you know, and have them set the commitments, but make sure it's something that you and you, you know they can certainly do just to start building their confidence again. Okay, so the first week they're they're setting their commitments, activity, and what they're willing to do as a result by the following week. So here we go. Week one is a Monday. Here we are. Week two, one of four things happens. Number one, they honored everything they committed to. Number two, they honored some of what they committed to. Number three, they honored none of what they committed to. And number four, they didn't show up to the meeting. That's possible. Okay. Um, what do you do in this situation? Well, requires a close-ended question. Or if they didn't show up for the meeting, okay, uh, or didn't honor any of their commitments, the question you want to ask is, are you still committed to this process? Now, if they did everything, congratulate them, um, acknowledge them for what they did, and reset their commitments for the following week, challenging them a little more, okay? Now, um, for the ones that do some of the work, but don't do all of the work they committed to, acknowledge the work they did because it's progress and coach them on where they missed the mark. All right. So here we are. You reaffirm next week's activities. Here we are. Week three already, everyone. One of four things occur. They did everything they committed to. Acknowledge them and reset expectations and commitments for the fourth week. Number two, they did some of what they uh, committed to, but not everything. Number three, they didn't do anything they committed to. And number four, they didn't show up for the meeting. Same scenario as week number two. And now let's just move to week number four. Here we are. 30 days has passed. 30 days, this underperformer has given you their word, has given you what they're committing to and the results they're looking to achieve. You didn't tell them. These are their commitments, which means they are making a conscious choice to either opt in and honor their commitments or opt out. So here we are in the fourth week. One of four things happens. Number one, they did everything they committed to over four weeks. Well, congratulate you, congratulate them. That is a successful turnaround. But don't stop there, coaches. Keep going. Clearly, it's what that person needed. And I think we would all agree that it's a lot more cost effective and a lot more time efficient to turn someone around rather than hire someone new, especially today. So that's the first thing. Number two, okay, let's go to the other extreme for a second. They chose not to honor any of the commitments they made. They chose consciously not to show up for the meeting. Now, you tell me, do you think something magical is going to happen on the fifth week? It's never happened before. You've positioned this in a positive way 
And every week, that person made their commitments. That person said, here's what I'm committing to doing. And they are making a conscious choice whether to do it and opt in or opt out. So at the end of week four, if they don't show up for the meeting, or if they choose not to engage and honor their commitments, that's going to be a different conversation. Okay. And we'll talk about that. Okay. As it's said in the, in the enrollment statement, you know, uh, if you find this position isn't for you, you know, let's find another position for you. Uh, and I'm here to support you hundred percent, regardless of your decision that shows still shows unconditional support. All right. Again, they did everything. Keep coaching them. They don't show up for the meeting. They don't honor their commitments. Well, that's their choice. They're bowing out on their own. But what about the one that does some of the work, but not all the work every week? This is the only one that managers tell me is a judgment call. So some managers say, you want to know what, Keith? Um, uh, this person, they showed positive change. They showed positive measurable change. I'm going to give them a few more weeks. Okay, that's your choice. Other managers say, you want to know what, Keith? If this person can't even do the basics, I don't want them on my team. Okay, that's your choice. So if we start breaking this down and wrapping up and opening up to uh, the 10 or 15 minutes we have left for a Q&A, let's stop and look at the four main objectives that this 30-day strategy accomplishes. Number one, you're introducing a new strategy as a positive solution for them, okay? Number two, you're collecting evidence of change. This gives you certainty rather than being seduced by potential. Number three, you're having the person self-select how neat is it that you can look in the mirror and actually say, I've tried everything in my power to support this person and turn them around so they can be successful here. I didn't fire them. They fired themselves. So never imagine never have to firing someone again. So have the person self-select. They're making the decision. They're always a choice to honor their commitments, engage or disengage at any time. You have now created an unconditional stand for your people, modeling and reinforcing the positive environment and trusting culture you want on your team, as well as creating a personal brand and legacy that you want and what you want to be known for. After all, you know, in 20 years from now, if, if you meet someone, you know, uh, in, in an airport that you used to manage, what do you want them to say about you? Hey, you know what? You were one of the best managers I ever had. I've never had a manager that demonstrated so much unconditional support and, and, and tried so hard to learn what they can do to best maximize what we can do and coach us. Um, you know, otherwise you don't want to see the person who you managed 20 years ago who sees you and runs the other way. All right. Because the choices you made yesterday created your reality today. The choices you make today will create the reality and the results you want tomorrow. So as the final point that I was saying here, use the success acceleration coaching program for your employees who want to be better, who want to be supportively challenged and want to be coached to achieve even more aggressive goals. So 
Here we are at the end, and then we're going to move into a, uh, we have a nice 10 minutes for a Q&A. We'll see what's popped up. Uh, but I want everyone to, to be mindful of this because uh, if you're truly looking to create a coaching culture, and let's face it, your people talk, right? If you speak to someone and, uh, you know, you're their peer and, and, and you're saying, hey, you know what, Keith just throw me under the bus. He just, you know, he just put me right under the performance improvement plan, didn't even try to help me. Do you want to be known as that manager or do you want to be known as a manager where that underperformer says to their peers, you want to know what, rather than uh, Keith bringing me into HR, um, he worked with me every week, once a week, even checked in with me in the middle of the week to make sure I was on track, unconditionally supported me to avoid any compliant process. That's the kind of manager I want to be managed by. So remember something as we uh, wrap this up and open up our Q&A, people create the mindset. Mindset shapes behavior. Behavior defines culture and culture determines success. That's why the primary business objective for every organization is to make your people and your customers more valuable every day. So with that said, a uh, couple of things before we jump into the Q&A, send me an invite on LinkedIn to connect so I can share with you this document and all the links I'm going to share with you with other resources, including this presentation deck. Uh, number two, like it or not, I'm your coach in your corner forever. Uh, I'm always here as a resource. So uh, my contact information, uh, my personal email is kr at keithrosen.com and my personal mobile number is 516-233-9239 and for my friends uh, who live outside of the U.S. and who know what WhatsApp actually is, yes, I'm used to using WhatsApp as well. Uh, if you have questions, please reach out to me. You know, just how can I be sitting here and talk about you being an unconditional leader if I'm not modeling that? Because a great coach takes people where other people haven't been themselves. And that goes for you as well. So that's why I'm sharing with you my contact information. Okay. Because I'm here to support you in your corner, which everyone does better when they have someone in their corner supporting them. Okay. So if you have questions, I'm available. And I have one final question I'd like to pose to you. How do you change? How do you change a culture? How do you how do you transform talent? It could feel so so overwhelming in your company if it's big. It's like turning battleship. No. How do you change a culture? How do you transform talent? One person at a time. One conversation at a time. Okay. Uh, so remember the ABCs of leadership. Always be coaching. It's just the language. Uh, I want to share a couple of bonuses real quick. Uh, depending on the size of your leadership team uh, and given what everyone is still struggling with, uh, I am offering a free Q&A just like this specifically for your company and for your team. So if you'd like that for us to do something and even customize it for your sales team or your first sales management team, uh, give me a call or text or reach out uh, via email and we can certainly talk about it. Um, 
Don't forget about my LinkedIn Live course. Uh, it is rated the number one coaching course on LinkedIn Learning. I'm super excited about how many people, thousands of people, uh, the impact it's made. And I truly hope this session and you registering for that will continue to make the impact that I hope um, I could make for you. Uh, and of course, keep your eye out for my next session. So uh, remember, you got the bonus. You got the LinkedIn Live courses. This is a recorded session, so you will have access to that. And make sure we're connected so I can send you all this information. So. And here we are. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen and bear with me. I wish you all extreme success. So at this point, I'd like to go ahead and open it up to you. What questions do you have for your coach? What did you learn? How did this help? I'm going to go ahead. I have my phone here with all the questions. And I'm going to go ahead and uh, look my phone here because uh, it's certainly a lot easier since I'm getting old and I need glasses. Plus, uh, I'm getting over COVID but I knew that wouldn't stop me from being here with you guys. Okay, here we go. Lots of good questions coming in. Wow, some great questions. Okay, wow, great question. Here we go. How do you handle backsliding? How do you, uh, you see a marked change across 30 days, but the employee slowly falls out of their good habits. Start the cycle again. Brilliant question. Okay, uh, if we could only answer this one question, then, then it was worth our Q&A time. Um, make an accountability pact with that person, okay? And by the way, this doesn't have to be an underperformer. This could be with anyone you work with. Um, and what an accountability pact or an agreement is real simple. Hey, listen, you know, I wanna make sure that, that, that I support you around achieving your goals so you can achieve the success you want. Um, and you know what? I know sometimes I slip back in my old ways, especially as a manager. Sometimes it's hard to coach and I just blurt out the, the answer and be the chief problem solver. And I know that's not the best way to develop you. So how about we make an, an accountability agreement? How about every time I see you revert back to, to any uh, destructive ways that could impact you, I let you know. And conversely, anytime you see me revert back to destructive habits or being that chief problem solver, you let me know. And by the way, that could be whether it's a text or a quick email or SMS, whatever we decide to let, to, you know, smoke signal, whatever it is, uh, whatever we decide the signal is, would you be open to creating this accountability pact? Of course, because not only are you demonstrating more support, what they're not gonna say no because you've just demonstrated the law of reciprocity, which is, wait a second, my boss, wants my impact and they want me to hold them accountable? Well, yeah, of course I'll, I'll be open to them holding me accountable in a supportive way. But uh, the law of reciprocity always starts with you. Thanks so much for that question. That's, that was a great one. Um, uh, let's keep going. Uh, is there any way to get the hands up on this presentation? Absolutely, it's being recorded. Keith, do you, uh, do you do, sorry here, do you do anything, mm, come on, phone? Do you do anything differently when people do not report directly to you? I influence a lot of people. Okay. This is a great opportunity for you to enroll those people. Okay. This is just one opportunity to enroll and create buy-in. 
This is another opportunity to enroll and create buy-in. And, and maybe that's what I need to have another whole session on, the power of enrollment and create engagement like the world's greatest leaders have. So do you do anything differently? No, and yes, you need to first enroll them and set positive intent and what's in it for them. And then the conversation will change, you know? The, you know, the people change, the, the conversation will change, but your approach still wouldn't change. And even though you're an influencer or you have a dotted line report there, setting intent and positive expectations, regardless of what your role is, is essential. And then having a coaching conversation with them after must be followed, which can sound like, hey, listen, what's the best way for us to work together? If we run into a problem, how do you want me to handle it? What's the best way to approach you? Um, what's your expectations of turnaround strategy? What are we doing here? We're setting up the rules of the game. Doesn't matter who you're coaching now. And by the way, if you want to know how to break down those departmental silos that pretty much every company has in their company, I just shared with you, okay? How you can break down departmental silos by the one who parks their agenda, goes to the other person in the department, because we all have to play nicely with right sales and sales has to play nicely with marketing and marketing has to play nicely with operations and engineering and so forth. The problem is when we run around, we're, we're only focused on our agenda. Okay, I have a great article I'll be sharing with everyone about how to break down departmental silos and the actual coaching talk track that you need to do so. So thanks for that one. What a brilliant question here. Uh, let's keep going. Oh, this is a big one. Great stuff. In a longer sales cycle, to go beyond four weeks, does it make sense? Or just focus on the activities within? You know, this is a really, really powerful question. And guys, listen, I want to be mindful of your time. We're, we hit the, the 45 minute. If you guys can need to go, I respect that. Um, but don't worry. If you need to go and jump, this will be recorded. If you can stay, I'm going to stay on for another 10 minutes or so just because there are so many great questions coming in. Okay, so if those of you want to stay on, I'm here for you. If you have to jump, do so. You'll be getting an email from me or a ping from me on LinkedIn where you can find the recording. So let's keep going because this is a juicy one. Okay, longer sales cycle. I get that a lot, especially for OEMs. All right, let's say your sales cycle is a year, two years, three years, five years. If you're a licensing agreement. All right, Keith, I can't wait my sales cycle. You just told me this is a 30-day program. Yes, I did. But I think every manager here or every person here would agree that there are other things you can measure. You know, what are the other KPIs, key performance indicators? You can measure their, their pipeline, quality of their pipeline. You could measure activity. You could observe and listen in in the quality activity. Um, you could certainly observe their written communication, which is a whole other conversation. Have you seen some of the emails that your people send out? When my kids were seven, they could have sent out a better email. Uh, sorry to digress. Uh, what else can you observe? Cleaning out their pipeline, their level of organization. And I'll just leave you with this final thought around this last question. We, you're in my home right now. Welcome to my home, my dojo, my happy place. Okay. Some people, many people do not have a home office. They're working in their kitchen. They're working in their bedroom. They're working in a closet. Okay. And um, we've never had this level of exposure in people's lives that we did today. You're seeing them in their home. 
You're seeing them if they're stressed. You're seeing them if they're wearing the same dirty shirt for the last two weeks. You're seeing if cats and dogs and kids are running around and there's chaos everywhere. You're going to tell me you're not going to approach that? You're going to tell me that you don't think that influences or impacts their state of mind, their attitude, and their performance and level of engagement? Unfortunately, managers haven't been taught or can or or even told that you can have these conversations. The rules have changed, okay? And if the rules of how we engage with people have changed, so do the conversations. Utilize your eyes to observe because that could be another way for you to enroll someone in this plan. So brilliant question. Let's keep going. Uh, we have about another five minutes left. Um, let's see. Okay, we answered that question. Answered that question. Backsliding. Okay. conversations when touching base. Okay, so this is a great comment we got here that this could become part of the conversations when touching base. You know, there's there's there has to be a perfect storm when you hire someone and make them successful. It's like a three-legged stool. Perfect onboarding, and I, I use the term loosely perfect, um, perfect coaching, right? And of course, perfect candidate. If, if one of those things are, are, are missing, the stool falls. It will not work. So, could this become part of the conversations? To me, I think that could be something that could be part of the onboarding conversations. Why not let them know? And not only that, but to me, if I came from a toxic culture that was super, super result driven, not saying that anyone else's isn't, but a toxic boss, you know, this would be great to know when I'm hired and being onboarded because that would put me in a positive state of mind and understand what kind of manager and leader you are. Thanks for that question, Jennifer. Uh, let's keep going. Um, ah, my dear friend Dia, the last question that we need to answer: Why wait for underperformance? Seems un seems excuse me seems like something every individual should be doing all the time in every situation you know if i wasn't wearing pants i would get up and i would i would give you the no, i'm wearing pants guys i'm just kidding but that 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 is that is most critical uh question because here's the deal guys if you're in a position where you either have to jump in to put out a fire or save the day or save a deal. Or if you're in a position where you have to, it's already too late, you have to put that person on a performance improvement or HR compliant plan. Okay, here's the deal. You missed the coaching moment. Let me say that in a different way. You weren't practicing the ABCs of leadership, which is always be coaching. So imagine this. If you're always coaching, you'll recognize problems when they're this big, okay, before they become this big and it hits the fan, okay? Because when it's this big, you already missed the coaching moment. You have to jump in, save the day, or unfortunately put that person on a pit. So I want you to consider the more coaching you do, okay, and if you get to that point where you where you have to uh, introduce a turnaround strategy, okay, you will have less people put on a pit. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. And if that's not the case, then you reach out to me and you let me know.
brilliant question. Thank you for that. Uh, let's see where we're at. Uh, wow, one, time for one more question. Let's keep going. I really want to make sure I cover I cover every uh, one on here. Um, let's see what else we have here. Yeah, yeah, great observation. Um, uh, I'm just going to paraphrase. It took a while as a manager to understand that coachable people are the people who want to change. They don't make old promises. Uh, they realize that they are not happy and want to change. Okay, maybe they don't know how to change, and that's why you can enroll them or they can come to you. Okay, again, how do you know if someone wants to change? How do you know if someone's coachable? if they have an inkling of a desire to change. Fantastic stuff. Loving the engagement here, guys. Really hope you're gonna join me on my next uh, LinkedIn Live session, so keep an eye out for that uh, as well. Uh, well, you know what? Um, according to this, the last comment is, Keith, you served us a whole meal, and now we have to go digest all this. So uh, I'm very glad that this is be recorded so you will have access to this. I deeply, deeply thank each of you for your questions that are so point on, so relevant, and I can tell you now, helped every other person on this call. And by the way, I heard there were over 2,000 people that joined this call. This this is this is one of the most popular ones I've ever done because companies put their managers together and they're having a meeting around this. So hello to all my management teams that are out there. Uh, now, um, as we continue and wrap up, I just want to say uh, as I as I close out um, these slides here, uh, and I can remove this. Now you can see my smiling face. Uh, I truly hope I answered all your questions. Um, this is a strategy that number one, I would suggest that you practice the language, uh, even though you're gonna get the template from me, I want you to use it, I want you to make it your own, okay? Uh, so treat it like a buffet, you know, take what you like, leave what you don't, but keep the spirit of the message intact, okay? Uh, be mindful that if someone is resistant to a turnaround strategy, remember, they may have been conditioned, maybe they've been on one before, where you have to remind them and, and continue to enroll and say, what I want for you is to avoid this compliant process. And finally, uh, I want you to consider what you're doing now for you, for your employees, for your company, and for your customers. You know, you are creating the culture that you want, not a fear-based culture, but a culture that demonstrates unconditional support and commitment that each of you I know want to create a trusting, confident, engaged team. So I hope this session answered your questions and achieved the objectives that I laid out, strong objectives that I laid out. Uh, until then, please know I'm a resource for you. I've given you my contact information. Make sure we're connected on LinkedIn. Oh, before I forget, uh, I do have um, two posts to share with you. Let me make sure I can do that right now as I promised you before, just give me one second. Uh, I wanna share with you the, uh, the post uh, actually from uh, LinkedIn, uh, which um, actually triggered me to uh, do this session. Uh, and it was an article about how basically performance improvement plans don't work. So give me one second and let me get you that link right now. 
And here it comes. Oh, and you're very welcome, everyone. My, deeply my pleasure. Here comes link number one. I uh, hope it made it through there. I believe it made it through. And here comes link number two. And this is a link to my LinkedIn learning course, uh, which if you're registered, take it. If not, I can tell you right now, it'll be worth all the $29 I think that it is. Uh, so here we go. And by the way, we'll talk more about turning around the underperformer and creating a healthy coaching culture. So hopefully that link came in as well. So as we wrap up, thank you again. Uh, touch base with me if you need me. Um, Remember, you have the power to create the culture you want. You know, underperformers are not going to be uh, coming to you all the time looking for help uh, because if you're waiting for them, you might be waiting for them your entire career. This is an opportunity for you to proactively demonstrate your trust and the leader that you want to be, which I see and know that you can be. So until our next session, thank you. I wish you all extreme success. And remember the ABCs of leadership, always be coaching. Take care.